Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Praise the Lord, Marcus. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I can tell you one thing. Brother Caleb's going to have a situation when he gets home. <clears throat> and then Marcus is going to say, practice what you preach. <laughs> Hallelujah. Man, it is an honor to be here with you guys. I appreciate it so much for allowing me to be here. I do apologize. My wife is not. She is sick. I was hoping she would be able to make it. But, you know, when, when, a, when a virus or something kicks in, you just, you know, we, we, we like to spread our burden. But when it comes to a virus, we'd rather just keep that to ourselves and not share that with you. Amen. So we do apologize that she is not here. Does anybody know where Cyprus is? Greece? No. <laughs> yes. It is where missions literally began. I see all these plaques on the back. And I am intimidated. <clears throat> but I can tell you, missions began in Cyprus. Acts chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas were anointed, laid hands upon, and they left and went to Salamis, Cyprus first. Before they went anywhere else, missions began in Cyprus. But we are the very first resident missionaries appointed by the United Pentecostal Church to the country of Cyprus. Our, our, uh, our shoes are quite large to fit. Well, not my shoes, but... <laughs> I'm, I'm following after you, buddy. <clears throat> the shoes we have to fill are quite large. But, you know, when God is in, in charge, it's going to be all right. Amen. I would like to say thank you, ladies, for what you do for global missions. It's amazing. I know y'all probably hear it every time a missionary comes through here, but I say thank you personally. We arrived in Cyprus in 2008 under the AIM program. We started everything in Cyprus under the AIM program. And uh, our stove had to be closed with a bungee cord. Only two of the four eyes on top of the stove worked. We didn't have a dryer. And rainy season is in the wintertime. We looked like the clampets. We had wires hung all around the, the, whole, the, the apartment. <laughs> Hanging everything everywhere. I mean, anywhere you had to go, you had to push clothes back. It took four hours on a good day for a towel to dry. So, I mean, very, very humid. Um, and then we had just this Middle Eastern refrigerator. Since we're only 40 miles south of Turkey, 60 miles west of Syria, it's going to put us about 180 miles north of Egypt. There's a there. Yeah, right there in that little, little spot right there. So we're right there. And the Middle Eastern refrigerators only stand about this tall, probably about like the Paraguayan, about, about like that, about that wide. I know it, it doesn't look like it, but I like ice cream. But <clears throat> the only thing is, Mama said we can't get ice cream in a little freezer that's that big. So I had to sacrifice, you know. But now with ladies ministry, thank you so very, very, very much. Our stove closes by itself. All four eyes on top of the stove work. We have a dryer and I sit there and watch it go round and round and round. And I'm saying, praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then we McDonaldized our refrigerator. Yeah, yeah. You know what? You know, when you go to McDonald's, one of the last things they ask you before you have to before they before they take your money <laughs> is do you want to supersize that? And we said yes. So we got this American-sized refrigerator so I can have ice cream. And Brother Beardsley, anything we can use on the foreign field as an evangelistic tool, we will use it. When we, no, no, not the ice cream. It was like the refrigerator coming down off the, off the truck. One of our neighbors came over and said, could we see your refrigerator? We said, sure, not knowing she did not realize by the time she got out of the house, she was going to have a Bible study. <clears throat> so, 
So we used everything. So thank you so much, ladies, for what you do. Young people, thank you for She's for Christ. You literally put wheels to the gospel. Literally put wheels to the gospel. 2008, none of the She's for Christ funding. Two years with, without a She's for Christ vehicle. One of our neighbors above us saw that we did not have a car, and she said, would you like to use one of my bicycles? I said, sure. Now, you have to understand, Larnaca, Cypress, where we, where we live, was founded by one of Noah's grandsons. <clears throat> the roads are cobblestone in some places, very, very Middle Eastern, you know. But the hardest part that I found about riding a bicycle around town and trying to witness is people get confused on what denomination you're from. It took me 45 minutes to say I wasn't <laughs> because they kept saying I was. I said, no, no, no. But now, pardon? No, I didn't wear a black suit, but I was going to church. I had black pants and a white shirt on, so they get confused. I just didn't have the elder tag on. Um, but we're able to go to the occupied side of the country now. And when I say occupied side, if you, well, you can't really see on that one. But in 1974, Turkey invaded the northern part of Cyprus and took the top third of the country. We are the last divided capital in the world. The UN presence runs right through the middle of the country. We have Greek Orthodox in the south and Turkish Muslims on the north. So, but we know God is doing miracles in Cyprus. Hallelujah. Now, I can stand up here and I can just keep rattling off stuff and, and, and go at it. And, I, you know, one thing about it is, you know, as a missionary, you don't get very often to go to somebody else's deputation service because you're at your own. And uh, I don't know very much how people, how their missionaries do their, their mission services. So I just kind of, I just do mine like, like I am. I'm just, sometimes I chase rabbits and sometimes I chase squirrels, but I just go at it, whatever it is. And tonight, I would like to ask you to be interactive. Is that going to be okay? Okay. So after the video, because we're smashing about six years into six minutes, okay, I would like any questions that you might have, just a few questions that would be able to help you understand what Cyprus is like because I can get up here and just tell you but that's not going to help a lot probably um, or I would answer some questions for some but not for others so how about do that okay so while you watch the video just kind of keep in your mind after the video we're going to do a question answer session how's that amen video tradition binds its occupants. But one couple is working hard to bring Jesus to the land. there was five ladies that was here and they were attending a denominal church. One was leading worship, one was playing the drums, one was playing a guitar, and two were in the congregation and one didn't have the Holy Ghost at that time. And as Sister Sheila was leading worship, God spoke to her and asked her if she believed what was being taught in this church. In her heart, she knew that this wasn't what she believed. God spoke to Sister Sheila and said, 
if you go, I'll go with you. And so she turned around and she handed the microphone to the pastor and she walked away. And when she walked off the platform, the two ladies on the platform went with her and two out of the audience. They left, didn't have a place to go. The next week they started meeting, little pergola type thing. And they bought their lunch, their Bibles, and um, a little guitar, and they started singing. But unbeknownst to them, in the corner sat a woman who was watching them. And afterwards, she came over and wanted to meet them. And they introduced themselves. And she says, now I want to meet the gentleman that came up behind you, the sixth person. And they told her, "There's it's just the five of us. There's not six. And she says, no. They're six because as you prayed, a, a large gentleman walked up and he wrapped his arms around all of you. And as Sister Sheila was telling us this story, she told me, she said, Sister, that was just confirmation for me that God keeps his promises, that we're going to have a church in Cyprus, and that he was going to be with us. And we had one gentleman tell us not long ago, he said, There's something different. He said, this is religion, this is tradition, but you are Jesus people, and there's nothing greater in the world to be known as than a Jesus people. So I'm excited, I'm thankful to be a part of what He's doing in this country. I love Him with all my heart. These people are precious, and they're your brothers and sisters, and I'm excited that to know that one day, when we all get to heaven, that there will be Cypriots worshiping with you because of your sacrifice. They struggled for a while in this foreign land. But with those original five, the Lord has blessed immensely. Seeing the harvest come in many different shapes, sizes, and colors. Growing their old building, a new location was secured at one of the busiest intersections in the city of Larnaca. Our original building was a small building that could only hold about 21 chairs. We've had that packed out several times. God has now given us a building that we have 47 chairs in it right now. We have the possibility of not only buying the, the flat that the church is in, but also the complete building, which has three floors. God is moving in such a tremendous way. There's no way we can do this without your help. Please consider helping us in Cyprus. God is going to move in this country. It's going to be revival. There's going to be a great revival through the sacrifice and the giving of your church. We ask you to help reach this great harvest. We can only do it together. And it's with churches like yours that that can happen. Thank you. Amen. Any questions? Yes. We're on the Greek side, on the southern side. Yes. No. Turkish is on the north. They took the top third of the country, and we're in the south. Greek Orthodox. It, it is a country. It's recognized by the World uh, con uh, uh, Congress of Nations. 
It is, it is classified as Christian. It is Greek Orthodox majority. It was an actual fighting. In fact, it was like a genocide in 1974 when Turkey invaded Cyprus. I'm sorry? Yeah, it's, it's pretty rough. Get... Languages are, they consider three languages, Greek, Turk, and English. It was, a, it was a British colony until 1968. So, okay. The only thing is they really don't speak Greek. They speak a dialect of Greek. And it's a mixture of Greek, Turk, Farsi, and Arabic. So all of those languages are kind of blended in there together. Um, we took Greek classes and we'd go into the street and they would speak the Cypriot language because they teach Greek in the schools. This, the Cypriot language is an unwritten, untaught language. They just get it. It's a street language. So it's very difficult to try to even master that. We have to, when we go to class to, to learn how to speak, you have to learn Greek first before you learn the dialect. And then I'm finding out we don't speak English. We speak American. Because your French fries are called chips and your chips are called crisps and your cookies are biscuits and your biscuits are scones and your car has a boot and a bonnet. We don't, yeah, we, <laughs> we, we don't. It, it's more British, yes. Yes. The population of Cyprus is 1.3 million. Last, two years ago, we had over 7 million go through the airports. A lot, a lot of tourism. Yes. It's about half the size of Connecticut. It's the third largest island in the Mediterranean. It's Sicily, Sardinia, then Cyprus. About half the size of Connecticut, 140 miles long and 60 miles wide at its widest point. Now, in with that, just that small little area, we have a mountain that's over 6,000 feet in elevation. So as far as a lot of terrain, it's very, very dramatic in terrain. Uh, Olympus. There is Olympus in Cyprus and there's Olympus in Greece. So I don't know why they named it two mountains the same, but anyway. What can you do? That's, that's, the things, that's the things that the Cypriot does. I mean, if anything they don't like, you know, it's like, oh, man, it's getting so hot. But what can you do? And then it starts in the wintertime. It's raining so much. But what can you do? <laughs> and then, you know, if the prices of gas are going up or diesel, you're like, oh, they're getting so expensive. But what can you do? That's, that's, that's their saying. Yes, ma'am. The food-like... Um, it's, it's Mediterranean style food, so you would, a, a lot of people kind of in the States get like Greek type food, moussaka, pasticcio, gyros. Um, we have souvlaki and souvla, which is little pieces of meat and big pieces of meat, and they grill them out in the open. Um, uh, a lot, a lot of vegetables. The only thing is, when we get mainland Greeks to come over to Cyprus to visit, <laughs> They look at us and say, man, your food over here is so much better than ours. And it's because of the Middle Eastern spices that get influenced into Cyprus that does not get into the Greek food. Everything is fresh. A lot of fresh vegetables. The village that we live in is called Petavolia, which means fields. And right behind us, we're the, the last one in a little village, and there's a large open field behind us. We had okra. We have artichokes. We have tomatoes, potatoes. Watermelon is grown there all the time. And a village not far away is known for its strawberries. And you bite into one of their strawberries. It's fresh picked that day, and you have strawberry juice rolling down. I mean, it's very, very sweet. It, they're the best ones I've ever had. They're very, and, and they're huge. They're about that big around. Yes. The health, um, they can, they're probably one of the longest living um, in, in, in the world um, because of a lot of olive oil and stuff like that, and they walk a lot. 
One of my friends who lived in the States for about 30 years and went back, he had an aunt that died at 109. And about a year before that, she was still working in her field and riding her donkey. So that's, that's the kind of lifestyle they have. Yes, sir. There's, there's really not a whole lot of pushback in that because we're part of the European Union. Cyprus is part of the EU. With that, it means that you're open for freedom of religion. But that means everything is in there. We, we were on the promenade one time and there was this guy uh, that I know. He, I started talking to him and another guy was there that he was a, they call him a missionary, but he's just... He believes in sloppy agape. Anyway, um, he was just, he would have someone sitting there that was so hungry and wanting to know something from God. Um, and he would just kind of sit there and put his head back and oh, 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 like that for a second. And he would grab a color or a coloring pencil and start writing on a piece of paper and then take some watercolors and start going. I said, what's he doing? He said, oh, he's doing holy art. And then he would take the paper and try to explain what God had given him to tell this person. Okay, you know, you're going over a bridge and when you go over this bridge, there's going to be this great light that you're going to see. And what this, this bridge is, is you're coming from the Greek Orthodox Church into true Christianity. And the guys look at him like, and I was doing the same way. I was looking at him pretty strange. He was weird. But that's what you have. In fact, about three years ago, they built a temple to Zeus in Cyprus. So Greek mythology is still alive in Cyprus and in Greece. Yes, ma'am. It was, it was a British empire in 1968. It was part of the British empire. And they still had a couple of British bases. It came down to, to one side, it came down almost to the base and they were about to take the British base and if they would have done that, that would have been like major. So they backed up about maybe a quarter of a mile to a half a mile away from that and that's kind of where they, they stopped. Erdogan right now, the president of Turkey, wants to take Cyprus completely back to Turkey. It was occupied years and years ago by Ottoman Turks and then it was the British came in. I mean, it's, it's been, I mean, you start studying the history of Cyprus. I mean, it's so many different people have taken it. I think that gives the Cypriots that attitude of like, what can you do? So it's somebody comes in and invades. Oh, we don't like it, but what can you do? That's what they say. Yes. You're, you're basically going to look at Greek. They call themselves Greek Cypriots. Um, and then you'll have your Turkish Cypriots. That's people that are born on the island. Um, and you'll have that. And they want to, I guess, feel better about themselves or more wealthy, so to speak. Um, so what they do is they end up um, having people like from the Philippines and India and Sri Lanka and stuff like this to come over and be their maids. So you'll have that mixed in with the population a little bit. But it's mainly um, a mixture of the Greek because they came from Thessaloniki down at first. And then now you have a lot of the Brits that came in and you have the intermarriage of the British and the that kind of thing. So it's... It's a, it's a diverse melting pot of, of people. You really can't say a specific group. Yes? Um, we were walking in a village one time and had this gate open for a, um, for the guy's gate was open to his garden area. Um, and I, I, I like gardens, so I kind of stuck my head in and kind of looking around a little bit. He said, oh, come in. I said, I just wanted to look. I said, you have such a beautiful garden. And he looked at me and said, I said, come in. <laughs> I said, my wife and friend are down here. So I asked them to come back. I said, he wants us to come in and look at the garden. 
Well, it was about two hours later after a tour of his home and fresh lemonade and tea that we were able to actually leave the house. Um, you can walk through the village. I constantly have people wanting me to have coffee or drinks with them. I usually decline on the drinks, the coffee I'll take, um, because when they drink, they, it's more of the beer and hard liquor and stuff like that. So I'll sustain from that. But um, I have come close to, you know, sitting up there and I'll take a Coca-Cola and drink, you know, just talk with them. That's, you know, you have to build relations. And, you know, Jesus ate with the publicans and sinners. You know, the only thing is, I don't want people to look at me that walk by and think that I'm drinking the stuff that's on the table. That's a fear that I have. I don't want my good to be evil spoken of. Um, so I'm very careful about that. So, but I, I, they're very, very friendly people. Yes. So, um, they have agriculture. There's a lot of, there's, they, there's the exports. They're big exporters in pharmaceuticals. Uh, medicine and stuff. I can get medicine very cheap. In fact, my wife uh, ha takes glucophage or um, for diabetes. Um, it's here. It's metformin. Uh, if I had to pay for the metformin here, just straight out of my pocket, it'd probably be about eighty-five to ninety dollars a month. There, it's about seven dollars a month. Third safest in the world. My wife takes the dog out walking at 2 o'clock in the morning and doesn't hesitate to do it. Very, very safe. Yes, ma'am. I'm really not sure in... Fish... They do farm fish, but what they do is they take like a big ring and put it out in the sea and have like buoys that go around with nets, that kind of thing. And they'll, they'll fish out in the open sea and they actually farm the fish out of that, right. if that's what you're talking about. Yeah, that's, that's what they do. Yes, sir? How far is it from what shore? What mainland? Turkey is the one on the, on, the, on the top. We're 40 miles south of Turkey. It's about 60 miles west of Syria, the one on the right-hand side. Okay, and then you see the little green one down here that says Cairo? That's Egypt, and we're about 180 miles north of Egypt. Not far. Yes, ma'am. Can you travel to the Muslim side? Yes. I don't have too much trouble traveling over there. Now, one thing that my wife would talked about, she talked about the, um, the gentleman that said we were Jesus people. Um, I was just trying to be, you know, trying to build that rapport and have relations and stuff like this. So I really didn't know who he was other than he owned the, the, the restaurant in the village and he had a little coffee shop. So I was drinking coffee with him and talking with him and, you know, talking about this and that and whatever. And finally, one day he asked me, he said, really, Stephanos, what are, what are you doing here? I said, well, I'm a religious worker. I'm doing church things. He said, ah, theologos. I said, yes, I'm a theologos, a studier of the word or student of the word. So that's what I, that's what he, what I told him. And I, he said, but, 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 but you are not religious. I thought it was a, a language barrier here. He said, but you're not religious. And he pointed across the street at the Greek Orthodox Church. He said, now that is religion. That is tradition. You are Jesus people. Right. Now, about six months after he said that, I found out that he was one of the priests in that Greek Orthodox Church. And about six months after I found out that he was one of the priests in the church, he looked at me and he said, Stephanos, and he points back at, the, I mean, I'm still drinking coffee with him. He said, we've made a mistake. I said, what do you mean, Leon? He said, in the Bible, they never baptize babies, but we do. 
We make a mistake. I said, well, when we should we baptize? He said, as adults, because that's when we know if someone really wants to live for God or not. That's when they should baptize someone. Now, he's a priest. I'm going. <laughs> because the thing about it is, I really haven't talked to him about baptizing and stuff like that. I'm just letting him bring it out. Then a little bit later, <clears throat> he looked at me and he said, we've also need, we've done a lot of wrong things in the church. He said, we need to get back to the way the apostles taught. <clears throat> so we're still working with him. Has he been baptized yet in Jesus' name? No. In fact, I, look, I looked at him and said, would you like to get baptized in Jesus' name? He said, I've already been baptized. I said, well, how were you baptized? He says, as a baby. <laughs> but that's okay because it's a process. He's steeped in tradition. That's, uh, he's 40 years old. That's all he's ever been taught. So when he says, we don't need to baptize babies anymore, but I've already been baptized, he's, it, it, he's battling that in his mind. It's okay. How do, you, how, do, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. One bite at a time. You can eat an elephant, but you better do it one bite at a time because if you're going to swallow it whole, <laughs> you're going to have problems. But see, the thing about it is what happens is when we have new people come into church, sometimes we want to take, the, you know, I mean, I see so many little, little beautiful babies around. You know, like when, the, when, they were, when they were really little and they wake you up in the middle of the night, First thing you do is you get up and you want to go grab that bottle and you want to put it in your mouth and you want to squeeze. <laughs> Don't you? You want to hurry up and feed them so you can actually go back to sleep. But if you did that, you'd choke them to death. But spiritually, many times when someone comes into the church, the first thing we want to do is we want to grab that spiritual bottle. We want to shove it in their mouth and we want to squeeze because they've only had the Holy Ghost for three months, but they should, they should look like they've had it for 10 years. It's a process. It grows. Yes. The government will not allow me to work. Their government will not allow me to work in the country. So I, I get a temporary residence visa. Now, if we can purchase the building that we saw, saw on the video, that would give me from renewing my visa every year to every 10 years. As, as an owner of a piece of property, then, and I am able to purchase a piece of property. Even being a foreigner, I can... Well, what's funny is the village I lived in, they, they came over and said, you know you can vote in the, in the village election. I'm like, excuse me? I'm not. He said, you can't vote for the president for the national election, but you can vote in the village because you live in the village. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but I don't know who's running anyway, so it doesn't matter. Oh. Yes. How is the um, conversion rate from dollars? Well, first, what currency would they use? Euros. And right now it's about a dollar fifteen to every one euro. Yes, ma'am. We we've been there since two thousand eight under the AIM program. We were there for two years, came back, ran deputation, went back in two thousand and fifteen, and came back in two thousand and nineteen. We just finished our first term. The church there, we started it in two thousand and and uh, and eight when we started when we got there. And in 2019 or 2018, just before we came back, um, we were able to acquire the, the building. Um, now, the building itself, we have 47 chairs in it. My wife went back last year to check everything, make sure everything was okay. She called me and she said, Stefan, we have a problem. Now, Brother Beardsley, I don't know if you're out of town and your wife calls and says you have a problem. You don't begin with singing the hallelujah chorus. You know, it's, it's you know, with me, it's like straight down to the bottom. Okay, the worst scenario, did we lose the building? You know, did what happened? That kind of thing. That's, that's me. That's just the way I am. I don't know about you, but that, that's me. And she said, no, 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 that, that, that's okay. She says, but when you get back, we're going to have to remodel because we're already running 43 in church. So I've got to knock out a wall 
and build and add on. Now, the thing about it is I don't have to get a contractor because I was a contractor and I know how to, to, to build. So that's not an issue. The issue is the finances. And this right here is my project box. If you'd like to help tonight in a project of the churches, please feel free to do so. Write the checks payable to the church here. Um, if you don't have a checkbook, you don't have any cash, that's okay. We can even take, you know, mobile phone, text, text to give. And you have to put in the pastor's name and the church name or it will not let you submit the transaction. Text my name, Summers, S-U-M-M-E-R-S, to 71777, 7, secure site, follow the prompts, easy to do. 7777, and text in my name, and it'll lead you to a secure site. Yes, sir. We, we are, we do a, um, it's an international church. Right now it's international. So it's a diverse church. It's Filipinos, it's Africans, it's Sri Lankans, it's whatever comes through, we're, we're anybody. Even, even the, the Cypriot people. The only thing is the Cypriot people are a very prejudiced group of people. If they get their laborers to come in, we're glad that you came here to be with them because they need what you have to teach them. That's what they tell me. So I'm looking at them and saying the only way that I can actually reach a Cypriot person is I'm going to have to start a service specifically for a Cypriot to come in. But I need to teach them that everybody is a brother and a sister and it doesn't matter what nationality, it doesn't matter anything else about that person. According to God's eyes, you are the brother and the sister of this person. So main thing is to get them in the church one step at a time and then combined when I can to be able to teach that. But that's the reason we have the diverse church right now. Talking about, about the, the cell phone, uh, the app that we just talked about. You know, I was looking at the phone the other day, and it's a pretty cool device. Even your, you know, your, your iPad, a mobile device. It's, it's a pretty cool device. Um, oh, goodness, I didn't know. It's almost 7.30. Is it okay if I go? Okay. Um, um, it always comes with a normal operating system. Every single smartphone comes with a normal. Anybody still does the flip phone? Any, anybody do flip phoners? They're, they're flip phoners. I kind of like the flip phone because you can kind of hang up with authority. You know, <laughs> it's kind of hard to, to turn off the phone when you're like trying to find the off button or the hang up button. But, you know, one thing about, about the smartphone and the mobile devices is you can download all different kind of things. They come with a normal operating system, and then you can start going and downloading stuff. What kind of stuff do you download on your new devices when you get them? Games. games. Oh, you were going to say games too, weren't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anybody? Yeah? Books. Music. Organizational stuff? Come on. Maps? Contacts? Bible. Wow. It took a little while. It took a little while. But the thing about it is, a lot of people download all different kind of things before they even touch the Bible onto their phone or their mobile device. And do you know that every time you download something onto your phone, it's, it's, it's called data, and data takes up space on your phone, on your mobile device. 
And at a certain point, if you have too much data, your phone just really gets slow and it doesn't really want to work properly. So you end up having to, have you, have you ever got a, a, somebody said, hey, look, I got this app. You get, you got to download it. So you download it and you start looking at it. He's like, man, this thing is a bunch of trash. So you delete it, you get rid of it. But everything takes up space. Have you, have you ever pulled up the phone and you're like, I'm going to take this picture and you hit the button. And that little sign comes up there. Not adequate space. And you really want to get the picture. So what do you do? Man, you start hitting all kind of pictures, even those that you really didn't want to delete. And once you delete it, you're going, ah, it was too late. It's gone. Have you ever noticed that, or to be honest with you, that, that we are God's mobile devices? Every single one of us are God's mobile devices. Even those in the world are a mobile device. They come with a normal operating system. Then they begin to download things into their life. Everything they download into their life takes up space. Everything. You know, you go to school, it takes up space. But then when you're through with school, guess what? Delete. <laughs> Done that one. Now I can get more space in here. So you go to college and it takes up a little bit more space than the school did. Yeah, right. And then you start dating and that takes up quite a bit of space. Uh-huh. And then, you know, sometimes, you know, that, that, that relationship didn't work out. So you got more space, you know, that kind of deal. And then you get married and that takes up a lot of space. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have gone down that road, brother. That takes up a lot of space. But see, there's some things that you do not delete on your phone because it's so important to you. But the thing about it is a lot of people have, have so much stuff in their life that they totally forget about downloading God into their life first. And they try to squeeze God into something that has already taken so much space, everything else takes up space in their life where they can't even do anything. Have you ever downloaded something onto your phone from the app store and it was like, oh man, it's free, that's cool. And you hit the button and you go. Yeah, it crashes. Why? Because it was free. You got stuff from the wrong place. In our life, we download things sometimes from somebody else and you end up crashing sometimes in your life. Why? Because you got the wrong information given to you that you downloaded into your life without checking it out first. You didn't check it out before you downloaded into your life. You didn't run it through this filter before you downloaded it into your life. See, there's a lot of people when they come into church. Have you ever heard, have, have you ever had a, um, have you ever had to reboot? Have you ever had to reboot? Huh. A reboot, you know, you just get, sometimes it just kind of freezes up, you know, you just, just doesn't want to work kind of rebooting, kind of getting things back in order again, starting back over. Have you ever had to do a factory reset? Yeah. You know what a factory reset in the spiritual realm is? Somebody coming in the door from the world, coming down here, shutting everything down and starting completely over. But the thing about it is, if we're not careful, we let them go back out the door before we tell them, hey, look, the things that you're doing... Now, you don't need, not everybody needs to do this. It, it really comes down to over this guy over here, the, you know, the one with this beautiful plaid shirt. He's the one. He, and I'm sure your ministry team is here too, that, you know, not everybody needs to say, Now that you got the Holy Ghost, you just need to be careful. And they're like, Man, they freak out. They overload. They burn out. You're like, wow, I don't, if it's that, I don't want to come back here no more. 
But there are some things that you need to start telling them. You know, hey, look, there's some, maybe some people that you may not want to hang around with anymore because they're a bad influence on you. It's bringing that thing into your life that is proper and right. See, I was praying before service and when Brother Caleb came up here and started his message talking about what he was talking about, I was like, wow, God, you mean, you know, because it's almost together of what we're talking about. You know, what's your, you know, what's your groceries doing, dude? It's what you're downloading in your life, checking on yourself, making sure the fruit of the, you know, the scripture even says, you know, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, and these are things that download. And the thing about it is too, have you ever tried to download something onto your phone and it doesn't come automatically? You know, you start looking at something and you say, okay, I want that one. And it says, are you sure you want that? And you say, yes. And it says, please put in your password. When you start downloading things into your life, it's usually like, wait a second. <laughs> Are you sure you want that? There's usually something up here that kind of makes a, a click. It's like, it's called conscience. And sometimes it's the Spirit of God saying, no, 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 no. But sometimes we want to bypass it. We want to go ahead and just keep going it anyway. Why? Because we're a mobile device. And we need to make sure that everything we allow is through the Spirit of God. Downloading things in our life, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envy, strife, murders, drunkenness, revilings, and such like, which I tell you before, as I've told you in times past, that they that do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. There's going to be some things that you're going to have to say, wait a second, I cannot do these things. It's going to cause me to crash. It's going to cause me to burn out. It's not good. It's a bad influence. Are you with me? These things are, 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 are dangerous. And if you play around with them, even on your phone, there's certain things that will cause a problem. And if you start playing around with all of a sudden, you start getting cookies, you start getting Trojan horses. You, I mean, everything just starts viruses. Why? It's because of the things that you downloaded onto your phone. You want, a, you want a problem? And you know why a lot of people have problems in living for God is because they have the wrong friends. There's nothing wrong with hanging out with people in the world. How are we going to win people? You're not going to win them by staying in here. You're going to have to build relationships with people outside. You have to. But it's not one of those things that every second that you have left, in your day that you're going to be spending with them. You have to do it right. And you have to say, God, I want to download the right thing into my life. I want to download the fruits of the spirit because you've got an option. Do you want the works of the flesh or do you want the fruits of the spirit? Love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, downloading those things into your life? Are those the things that you desire in your life more than anything else? Because that's really where it comes down to. God, I want my life to be directed by you, and I want you in my life. What are you downloading into yourself? What are you bringing into you? Let's stand together. Lord Jesus, I know 
as humans, we just download things into our life. We bring things in. We accept it sometimes at face value, even sometimes, even though we know that we shouldn't be dealing with it, we do it anyway. But God, I'm asking you to help us in our walk with you that we make sure we download things into our life that would be conducive to godly living, that would make you happy with us. Help us to download the things in our lives, to bring in the things that you want in our hearts and in our lives, because that's the only way that we can actually fulfill the Great Commission. It's the only way that we can fulfill what you would have in our life is be a witness to others, is to make sure what we have in our own life is right by you. Maybe today you've downloaded, a, not saying you're backslid, because a lot of times, you know, you, you're not backslid. It's just some things that you've decided on or you've been thinking about doing that maybe it's, it's wrong. Maybe it's some things that God's been dealing with you about to try to get rid of, to try to delete out of your life, to kind of hit that button and say, God, I don't need that anymore. This altar area is a good time to come up right now and say, God, and I'm not saying you're backslid. We all have to come to the altar every now and then to say, God, I need to make sure I'm right. And if you think you're right completely, oops, you're probably the first one that needs to come down because we all struggle. I've had the Holy Ghost for over 40 years. I'm saying, God, there's so many things in my life I'm still working on. I sit there sometimes and I'm saying, God, how did that get in me? Sometimes it's one of those things that you almost have to shut down completely and reboot. Sometimes it's those things that just when you pull it out, it comes out, you know, other things come out with it. You know what I'm talking about? It really hurts to get rid of it. So where are you today? It's okay to come down. Just say, God, I need a touch from you. I need something to change me. In Jesus' name. That's it.